All right, this week on Three Sides of the Coin, not only are you joined by me, but we're also joined by Alex Michael from Shameless as well, one of my favorite bands. And we premiere the new video. Um, so you see it first here on Three Sides of the Coin, damn it, so stick around. And we have a great discussion about what we would love to see in the last Kiss album ever released. Oh, yeah, that too. That too. <laughs> there was some kiss talk. There was some kiss talk. This is Three Sides of the Coin, talking all things kiss. I want to rock and roll all night. You're listening to Three Sides of the Coin. Every month, more than 50,000 musicians, industry professionals, and rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and kiss fans from around the world listen and engage with the Three Sides of the Coin podcast. If you have a new release or a product or service and would like to reach this audience, get in touch with Michael to discuss sponsorship opportunities. Visit threesidesofthecoin.com. If you have something to say, leave a voicemail or send us a text message. Call 320-515-4771. Hey, Cameo. It's Three Sides of the Coin, and we're here. And you can hire us to say something on video for you. But, but before everybody like rolls their eyes and goes, what the hell am I hiring three sites for? We are donating 100% of the money we raise to charity, okay? So think about that when you want us to say something. We can do a birthday shout out, an anniversary shout out. Lisa can do like a Paul Stanley rap. Couldn't you, Lisa? Would you do that, please? I can sing Read My Body. I can do a Paul Stanley rap. Anything that you want to do, I'll do. Mark, well, not everything. Would, would, would you get up and go open something? No, but I'll <laughs> say something funny. <laughs> I'll read a comment. Yeah, Tommy will read. You can send Tommy a comment and he'll read it. Now, seriously, you guys all know what Cameo is all about. We'll do a video shout out for any occasion saying anything you want. You know, I don't know if we've even got any limits. You could you could have us say something like three sides of the coin sucks and we'll do mm -hmm. that. Like I mean, us, we're, we're real easy here. So head over to cameo.com. Look for three sides of the coin. The four of us will get together and record a video message for you, donating all of our money to charity. Mm -hmm. Hey, three sides of the coin. You're going to love today. This is probably going to be your absolute favorite episode just because of the lineup. First of well, no, I'm here. So right there, this sucks. <laughs> you had <laughs> I, it going until you blew it. Yeah. I'm here, Mike. Tommy's here. Mark's not here. Which what? means we all get to talk. We, we can all get all to talk. say something. Yeah, you know, you don't have to listen to Mark complain about being hungry or watch him open up records and stuff like that. Lisa's here. Frankly, none of us need to be here. Let's just do a show of Lisa. Yeah. And Alex is back. <laughs> Alex is back. <laughs> Your all-time favorite, Alex. More than Izzy. More than Ralph. Well, Izzy doesn't like make rips or like there's something wrong with him. Iz Izzy doesn't understand yeah. comedy. Yeah. He doesn't and understand good food choices. He doesn't either. understand food. He doesn't understand comedy. He doesn't understand working for a living. I don't. I don't know what he understands. Boots. 
boobs. But he doesn't have any. He doesn't get any boobs. So, I mean, how does he understand them? When's the last time he's touched some? When he had one of the album covers that they're on. But doesn't he have like some of those inflatable ones at home? Yes, I'm sure he does. He's got a few of them. I've never met anyone who can instantly be friend zoned like him. It's it's unbelievable. You'd think that just by the law of averages, he'd end up with a girlfriend. And it's just we had what's her what was her name on? Uh, The she wrote that book. She was Eric. Oh, Carrie. Carrie went on like this five minute diatribe as to why Izzy's alone. Yes, she analyzed (laughs) Izzy. That was pretty funny. That was awesome. But he does. He falls in the friend zone. Yeah. I have another friend that's like that. He just falls in the friend zone. I was like, dude, no. Well, I mean, okay, let me ask you this, Lisa. If you were single, would you date a guy who has his own stretch pants with his face on it? No. And wears a mankini? No. The mankini is just the deal breaker right there. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd, I'd avoid him like the plague. Like, let's say, for example, we were on Monsters of Rock Cruise, okay? Yeah. And, Izzy and you were liquored up. Me. You had five or six margaritas. Five or six margaritas. And let's just say he walked up to me in the mankini. I, pre- I would pretend I didn't know. <laughs> so, 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 wow. You know, we're learning so much about Lisa over these past few episodes. First, yeah. we learned it was six margaritas. Five or six. Could go either way. Depends on how I played safe six. What was the second thing we learned? Six margaritas and something else. Like the last episode, there was another thing we learned about. Wasn't it a hockey thing? Well, we've always known about goalies. So if you're if you play hockey and you're a goalie and you can get six margaritas into Lisa. What did I say the last? What was that the last time? I can't remember. You should know. Obviously, it was not very monumental. Yeah, there was something else that we added. We tacked on to the six mark, the six margaritas for Lisa. Can't remember. Oh well, I kissed Jennifer. Remember, I kissed my work wife on the cheek. Ah, yes. Is that it? No, no. No, because we're giving the blueprint out to those of you that want to take a run. What what I'm what I'm what I'm getting at here (laughs) is, you could be a hockey goalie. And have six margaritas into Lisa, but if you show up in a mankini, it's all erased. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, like it's... instant sober. Yeah, so and sober, do... sober anybody yeah. up real quick. Just so we should do the do's and don'ts. Uh, of <laughs> do's and don'ts of dating Lisa. There you go. Do six margaritas. Do don't wear a mankini. Play hockey. See, yeah. this don't is why wear a mankini. This is why I married Brian because he has not wearing. He was not wearing a mankini. At all. Which surprises Never. me because he's a Dallas Cowboys fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the big, like, big Cowboy star right in the... <laughs> oh, oh, James is getting mad. He's saying, don't talk about my dad. He's getting pissed. <laughs> <laughs> What's he going to do? Beat you up? Yeah. <laughs> he'll, come right, he'll come right through here and beat you up. Little James... I don't, uh, I don't want the wrath of James. Okay, no. tell him I'm sorry, dude. I was wrong. Tommy says he's sorry, James. Because <laughs> yep, he better be sorry. <laughs> nice throwdown. Nice. James wow. and Tommy in a boxing ring at the next three sides meetup. Uh huh. Wow. Don't mute yourself. We want to hear what you're yelling at your son. He got. He goes. What did he say? 
and he goes, Tommy, what did you say? And I said, he's talking about daddy and the Cowboys. And he went, oh, because that's what I thought. He, he thought you said something else. Oh, so oh. Now, if it's the Cowboys, that's fine. Rip on yeah. daddy. Even your son <laughs> understands that that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Alex, welcome to the show. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Alex is here. <laughs> Alex is here for the whole show. So before we get started, Tommy, you were here last week. And you're here this week. Oh, he was here for a minute. Remember? And he, no, he was here. Oh, no, I wasn't here last week. You weren't. You, yeah, you you took off um, last week. We wanted you to be here. And you said that you had just more important things to you do. You had mom, mom duties. I had yes. mom I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off. So Can't anyway, anyway Tommy... You've got to do your job right now. Read some comments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of them. A lot of good lot. ones. And this this is about last week's show with Tom Shannon talking about the Peter Chris solo album vinyl reissues. And the Yoko problem. It's always yes. sunny, isn't it? Um, but you know what? I really like that so many people are supportive of Tom because my understanding in some of the other places on the internet, he is really taking a beating, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but those places beat anything, including themselves. Oh, true, true. Okay, so, um, so uh, Cesarevich said, <clears throat> number one, <clears throat> Tom Shannon is a gold standard and artists should welcome working with him. Two, media illiteracy is at an all-time high despite all human knowledge held in a phone in your, in your hand and the efforts of Brandvold uh, to educate. Three, Taylor Swift is a great example of an artist trying to get control over her art with her re-recordings. Good for her. Four, dealing with the Chris Camp seems akin to dealing with Vinnie Vincent. What was the business expertise of Gigi Chris before becoming a spouse? I know that. I know. Please answer it. Well, the first time I saw her, like the first couple of times, um, well, she was working as a stripper and she was just grabbing for money. So they kind of like, I guess her job hasn't really changed besides like now she keeps her clothes on. But like, that's just like what she was. I mean, because like I used to date somebody at the time and she was one of her colleagues. I suppose it takes a really long time to count to a thousand one at a time. Well, she's used to pay her bills in singles, you know, so like. <laughs> <laughs> and just like the whole thing, I mean, like, well, nobody really knows what Peter's thinking anymore. But let's face it, like from all the stories we heard, like, like who told that story about like, that like Gigi gave a letter to Gene and then like Gene was just like, whatever. And it was like on that last tour, like in 2000. Yeah. And also think about that. Like before she came into the picture, Peter was kind of like adopting to the whole situation. Okay, now I'm an employee by Gene and Paul and this is how it's going. Like finally have a second chance. And once she was in the picture, that's when the trouble started. It was, it wasn't it when Russell was on, he said, Paul once said, I didn't fire Peter. I fired Peter's wife. Mm -hmm. 
I think that says everything right there, if you really think about that. And here are two opposing viewpoints, but still both very respectful. Uh, Nigel Drainer said, or Drainer, the two times I met Peter, he was incredibly nice and a, it was a great experience. I've always had a good experience when I met him too. Unfortunately, the situation has really soured me on Peter and probably won't ever spend money to meet him again. Then Baby Gorilla TV says, Peter and Gigi have been really cool whenever I met them. It sounds like Tom will be stuck with a lot of LPs for the next few years. It sucks, but no one asked for these to be reissued. I think he should have talked to Peter first and asked them what they thought about it. Again, I'm not saying he didn't do it correctly, but it or something that was done obviously upsetting Peter's camp. Also, throughout the interview, all I heard Tom mention a few times that he was going to be uh, losing a lot of money. <laughs> well, so. I, I can get Peter's point about like that he probably is pissed in a certain way because like whatever deal he signed in 1980 was probably not to his favor. It was, but like still, you know, if Tom gave him a chance, hey, at least you can make some money with it and he still doesn't understand it. That just like you know, just says something about Peter, you know, like may, but like we also, we don't know, maybe Peter never really heard the full story because, you know, that like Tom was just talking to Gigi and Gigi just told Peter, now it's not worth your time. Right. Don't you do never know. We, no one will know because we weren't involved in any of that. And then um, it's J-N-N-Y-B-L-Z. I hope Branville's clearly careless tweets don't end up getting the rest of the others fired from Kiss's payroll. The pension plan alone has to be worth millions. The others work so hard and Mike continues to be a tool. That's fantastic. So there you go. The the pension plan, we're just rolling in money here in our retirement. And so for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, uh, this is uh, the current week's show with Tom Shannon, who is the one who has re-released the two Peter Chris solo records, Out of Control and Let Me Rock You, which I happen to like both of them. I like them too. Yeah. And so he's having some problems with Peter Chris Camp. So if you guys are interested, it is ish, uh, episode number 476. You know, kind of going back to the, to the Gigi thing, you know, I, I told that story multiple times when I was at the uh, Hall of Fame ceremony and yeah. i went to my i asked peter if i can get a picture with him and like i said it wasn't like they had like people like walking around like hired people that would take your picture with people you know yeah. like so, you have to right. so i said to peter can i get a picture with you and he, he was like absolutely like he was so nice and then all of a sudden you know Gigi came in and was like nope no picture nope 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 and he almost looked like embarrassed like right. he looked like sorry you know and I, she goes oh peter's really tired and i'm like what he didn't walk here i saw the car he came in like I, he doesn't have to like run around or do anything he's got to stand there you know and i i honestly think sometimes like you know, like like paul said i didn't fire peter i fired peter's wife because i think she stirs the shit pot you know because i was I, I felt bad for him i felt bad for him because i think he told her, he's like, well, this is my job. And she's like, sit down. He was like, okay. You know, I was like, oh, good Lord. Yeah. But even back then she was not a nice person. I mean, like God knows maybe she changed, but like, obviously she didn't, 
But even back then, and this is like, this was like 96 that I first met her. And she was simply not a nice person. Well, this no. story is from 14. So that obviously nothing yeah. changed much. <laughs> <laughs> nothing has changed. Look, and we're not dumping on Peter. He's still, he was a founding member of my favorite band. And yeah. I feel horrible that all of this is transpiring and there's nothing about this that makes me happy that it's happening. I feel bad for him and I feel bad for Tom. You know, yeah. I really do because it's to me, just with the way Tom kind of laid it out, there's a misunderstanding there somewhere, I think. Because who would turn down that kind of money? You know, that it's there's something not right, and I'm not sure what it is because we're not inside either one of those camps. We're just hearing Tom lay it all out, but Tom's got all of the paperwork to back up all of his claims. Yeah. So, you and, know. It do, and it and it doesn't help that the 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 expert know-it-all online Kiss fans want to chime in and say. These aren't authorized. These aren't real. These are counterfeit. These are bootlegs, whatever the excuse is. I mean, it, as, as was so clearly outlined last week, it's a, these are 100% legal people. You know, Pete, whether Peter's got a problem or not, he's entitled to have a problem with them. I mean, as we use as an example, you know, Rock Candy Records does, their whole business is reissues. And right. it, it's, it's known that, some of those artists aren't happy that that yeah, happens, but that's because again, they're not taking part in any of the money earned from those album sales because the record company owns the recordings and the record company is free to do whatever they want with them with or without an artist's approval. But also here's the point. I mean, cause like whatever Tom said, he never talked to Peter. So actually nobody knows what Peter is actually thinking about the whole thing. He could be like, oh shit, I would have loved to do this, but like, I don't want to piss off Gigi. You know, say we don't know that. And cause like somehow, I mean like Peter's like, how old is he now? Like 76 or something. And I just don't, I mean, he always seems like so mellow these days. You know, so I don't even see stuff yeah, I, like I, that. I don't think he's making the decisions. That, think that's exactly my point. Yeah. I'm sure he's a very nice man. The few times I've met him, he was always very nice. Well, he's always I know been some, very nice. Yeah, I know some people have had bad experiences, but I think everybody has bad days. So I don't want people to think that we're just sitting here bagging on him. I just no. think that the situation is unfortunate. And I feel bad for Tom. He didn't deserve that. He's a good guy. You know, well, he does Bruce's album. Well, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know. No, I, I don't think at all like it has anything to do with Peter himself. I think it's either the lack of information that like only like a part of the information got passed over to him or like maybe Gigi just tells like, no, this is not what I want, you know. I'm right. thinking that's the latter is probably more correct. And the, and the problem is like, I mean, like when was the last time, you just got to think about that. When was the last time that Peter actually did an interview? <laughs> Any of you guys remember one? 
even when he did that that record, the what was it like all for one or whatever the, the, the horrendous sending the clowns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but like so he did he do even at that point any interviews? Because I, I don't I remember any. Couldn't tell you yes or no. Yeah, I don't think he's done any, but I, when you look at Ace, I don't think there's a month where you don't have some interview with Ace, like either was trunk or like whoever. Right. He's always somehow he's present. Oh, now I'm going on tour. Now I'm doing this. Now I release on a record. And Peter pretty much fell off the planet for the last like 15, 20 years. Like sometimes he shows up, you know, like at the Hall of Fame. And I know like a couple of times he did interviews after he, um, you know, the, the cancer thing. But other than that, there was maybe a handful of interviews. Right. I mean, well, and, 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 and I don't know, it could be his choice. I mean, I've said a few times, it's like, it seems like he's retired and good for him. You know, mm -hmm. he's out of the spotlight. He's not, he's not getting into all of the verbal back and forth through interviews the way Ace does. Yeah. You know, every time, and, and, I'm, and I'm not saying Ace does this deliberately, but every time Ace does an interview, something ends up being said or you know, taken the wrong way. And now it's another, you know, oh, Ace is bashing Gene and Paul. Gene's responding to this, you know, and I'm sitting here going, good for, I've said this, good for Peter for staying out of all that stupid, yeah. petty, yes. you know, back and forth trying, you know, and, and frankly, you know, Ace, Gene and, and Paul are doing all those interviews because whenever they do them, they're promoting something. Exactly. Peter but Peter's never had anything to promote, you know. No. You know, in the last decade or more, there's no new new products. There's no tours that he's promoting. He's out he of retirement. He's out of retirement now. He's out of retirement. I mean, he is coming back and doing a show in New York City. After he already said he did his last show in New York City, so hey, welcome to the. Welcome to the farewell doesn't mean farewell bandwagon. You just jumped on Peter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just, like I said, I just feel bad for Tom and, and I, you know, it's just, it's unfortunate for everybody. And there's a lot of people who are going to want those LPs because they love the records, you know, and why not give them the opportunity to get them? I mean, Peter could have come up with the money and done it himself if he wanted to. Yeah. You know? Yeah, well, I mean, that that that's what I was mainly interested in last week was just trying to illustrate how this little area of the music business works, licensing and, right. and owning of the recordings. So many fans think band records an album. The band has full ownership and say in that album. No, if they wrote the songs, they could still own the songs unless they sold off the publishing. Right. But a record company, I shouldn't say this is always the case. If a record company gives you money to go into the studio and record an album, the record company owns what was recorded. That's why in this day and age, and Alex, you're like this, more and more bands put their own money up go into the studio and pay for their own recording. They own what they recorded. And then you turn around and license it to a label for a period of time. 
So the label has that album for three years, five years, 10 years, whatever the deal is. And you get a percentage of sales after that. And when that license agreement expires, it reverts back to the band. Exactly. That's the only way you can survive with the stuff. Because, I mean, let's be realistic. Like like when you had Larry Mazer on the show, like what did he say? Like Buck Cherry sold like something like 20,000 copies. So even if they did the record in a home studio or something, you're still talking about expenses like a few thousand. Then to get all the CDs, vinyl, whatever, pressed. So out of those 20,000, maybe they got an advance of maybe like, God knows, like, like $10,000, $20,000. But I think that's it. Because even like the best example for me is Green Day. Remember when they had the um, American Idiot record out? Yeah. That's so like 10 million copies. Then the next one that rock and roll radio rock, something like that, like that came out in like 2015, that record sold something like a hundred thousand compared to 10 million before. And it's, it's just mind blowing, you know, like how that whole. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the music industry obviously has changed a lot, but when Peter recorded these two solo albums, he was signed to a record deal and the record label gave him some money yeah i don't know what it was and i don't even know the terms of the contract and you know we we don't need to you just need to understand that when the record label gives even if they give the artist one dollar and say peter we're giving you one dollar to go in and record they own that's basically the record label saying we've hired you you're an employee we're paying you and we own your work that you create. They exactly. own the recordings on those albums. Obviously, there's a multitude of different clauses and things that can can change and revert that back. But generally, you can assume the record label owns that recording. Very few artists own their catalog. It, it's, it's very expensive. I mean, again... Record, as I said last week, record labels know that's where the money is made in the back catalog, not in new releases. Universal made squat off of Monster. Universal makes a buttload off of Destroyer. Universal is not going to sell Destroyer back to Kiss. No. Unless it's a lot of money, right. a lot, and, and and you know, the example I gave, and I, you might even remember the exact figure, Alex, but it was back in the '90s when when Motley Crue bought their catalog back yeah. from Warner Brothers. Back in the '90s, I think they bought it for like thirty-two or thirty-five million dollars. Yeah, the same as Wasp. Blackie did the same thing. At one point, he bought the rights back to his uh, to the old catalog. Yeah, because they it it's you want to own it so you control making all the money. But if a label's going to do that, they're going to sell it for a lot because again, they're realizing they're losing all future revenues from that back catalog. So obviously, you know. Peter's two solo albums were not huge successes by any means. 
nobody is clamoring to buy those masters back. So they're just sitting there. Somebody calls up and somebody being Tom, but that somebody could have been Peter, that somebody could have been you, Alex, calls up the licensing department at Universal and says, hey, I'd like to see if the two Peter Chris solo albums are available to be licensed for a vinyl reissue. And they'll say, yes, they are. And here's our standard deal to license these. And the label has zero obligation to ever notify Peter that this is ever happening. No. Now, they, I'm saying they have no obligation. That's not to say a lot of them won't. Because a lot of labels want to keep good relationships with artists current and past so they may let them know but that doesn't mean they're giving the artist like veto power because the artist has no veto power in Uh, what happened to that music well and i also want to throw in there that the main reason we're talking about this and we go over it again is not because we're trying to beat it into your heads as listeners but we're trying to arm you with factual information so that if you get in a situation where you're talking with other fans and they try to tell you that it's not true, you can tell them that no, it is and give them exactly why you, what you think is actually accurate versus just more of this nonsense going around because there's always going to be a couple of people who are going to jump on the bandwagon. When Tom had first put that uh, post out about why Peter, some fan jumped on and he was just like well don't you shouldn't do this because it might wreck the event he's going to be at and it's just like huh it's not tom's concern about peter's business right just just, i mean and just to the same it's not peter's concern about tom's business no i mean let let again let's be honest peter has every right not to sell not to autograph not to be part of it it is his clear right to do that right but but for anybody to imply that what Tom is doing was not authorized is just an outright bullshit lie. Yeah. It's a hundred percent. It might not be authorized by Peter, but Peter has no authorization to grant. Cause he doesn't own the label. The, the only right. people who authorize it were universal music. And once a contract was signed with music, universal music deals done, you, you can go do whatever you want following the terms of that contract and 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 as i said if peter had an issue with that happening his issue should be with universal not with tom Universal's the one that can do anything they want with peter's recorded music that's probably like a part that peter doesn't understand because remember like when he signed that deal he still signed it with casablanca mm-hmm so he probably doesn't even understand, like, how come Universal now owns the rights to my music? That's probably like a, a part of it, or like, especially, you know, where it's like, I don't understand this. I don't get it. How come they own my material now that I released at that point? I signed the contract with Casablanca, you know, with um, Neil Boga whatsoever. And I think that's a, might have something to do with that that he just doesn't get up now it's owned by some other company i never got any notification about that and now they're making all this money yeah and and you know peter may or may not make money from universal from it 
It all depends upon what his contract was with the record company. And then it all depends upon if the record company says Peter Chris is recouped. But remember, there was already some, I forgot the name of the band. There was a band, <clears throat> but they, they signed, a, this was like a band from the 70s. And the record deal was only about like the publishing for um, vinyl, cassettes, and A-track tapes. And there was no clause for CDs. So then the record label didn't have to pay them for the CDs they sold. Wow. But I just would I, think after being retired like that, that he would be so happy that um, people still care about something he recorded like 40 something. Yeah. Years. Yeah. And that, that, that they're being brought to light again. Cause there's some terrific music on both of those records. Yeah. So anyways, but, that's what's going on. So if you guys want to check it out, please do. Um, should we move on? Um, I, I want to make a quick mention. Um, thank you to everybody who has already booked a cameo with us. That's freaking mind blowing. We've, we've done like three cameos already. Um, we're donating a hundred percent of the money we make. And let's be honest, we're only charging five bucks. Although I think it depends on where you book the cameo. Like if you book it through an Apple device, it's five ninety nine because Apple charges a percentage for cameo to do it. Whereas if you go to the website, cameo.com, it's only five bucks, something like that. Anyway, we're like five bucks. It's not like we got egos thinking we're worth $100 a hundred dollars a video, but we're donating a hundred percent of all of the bookings to the wounded warrior project. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and, and I mean, one, one person asked us a kiss related question and we did like a 10 minute mini episode for them. One person had uh, Lisa sing Read My Body for her 25th birthday. That was really disappointing to Mark that that they didn't want Mark to sing. It was super hot. It was. We were watching yeah. Lisa sing Read My Body. So, I, I mean, it could be whatever you want. Birthday greeting, anniversary greeting. You can make Lisa sing. The only thing we know is Mark will not get up off of his chair and open anything. No. <laughs> Although I, I wonder, this is something somebody could test. If they paid five bucks, could they get Mark to eat on camera? Probably. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, and look at how many people we had watched that time that we were wherever we were. New Jersey at the, the Kiss uh, Expo. And yeah. they watched us. They watched us, not us. They watched Mark, right? Mark eat pizza. Yeah, I wasn't there. It was like 3,700 people. Yeah. We're like. Really? They're watching Mark eat pizza. <laughs> anyway, I mean, we're truly, we're truly honored. And thank you for, for, you know, within the first week, having somebody even interested in booking us, but you know, yeah, we're having fun with it. Like I said, we're donating all of the money that we raise yep. um, straight to the wounded warrior project. So, you know, you can help out veterans. Um, so Alex, before we get into our full discussion with you, 
we're going to be premiering your new music video, the new Shameless music video in this episode. So why don't you give us, you know, the the Martha Quinn spiel of welcome to the world premiere and here's the Shameless video and then everybody can watch it and we'll come back and talk about everything that Shameless is up to. Okay, cool. So what we did, I mean, probably everybody or like 95% of the people that are watching this know the KISS box set that came out in 2001. And there was a demo on that re- on, in that box set called Love is Blind. And it's a song that Gene recorded a demo with for, but like the band never released it because um, Paul and Eddie Kramer thought the song would be too much of a competition to Hot Luck Woman. So, and it always bothered me. I was like, the song is so great. And it's a shame that like, it was never released or recorded in a full way. So when we started to work on a new record that's coming out in like three weeks, I said, I want to record that song and do a full production with it, but like recorded in a way how Kiss would have done it if it would have been recorded like in the late seventies. So kind of like a mix between like Destroyer and Unmasked. We used like violins, like, you know, like Kiss had on bass and great expectations, but the guitarist and stuff was more based on like a song that will come from Unmasked. And so, yeah, we did a full version of the song and we also did a video for that. And on three sides, you'll see the full version, including the intro, which will not be on YouTube or any other platforms. Cause we had Bruce and Charlotte Charlotte is our second singer in the band with Frankie um, do an intro where they talk about the song Love is Blind. And if Bruce knew why the song wasn't on any of the Kiss records. It's more like a joke because like obviously none of us are actors, you know, like you won't see any of us like on, you know, whatever TV shows are on at the moment. You can act, you, you act as well as Gene acted in the 80s. Uh, I'm not that bad. <laughs> not that bad. <laughs> I remember like showing Anna the Never Too Young to Die movie. And she was like, this is like the worst thing she's ever seen. I mean, the, the, the movie is so bad. Like it's unreal. It's more like a, like a parody of something. Like you cannot. Is that like, the one where he dressed up as a woman? Yeah, that's where yeah, he was yeah, a transvestite. Like where he took his asylum outfit and was like, no, I can still wear this. Or like, was it the, or was it the other way around? I don't remember what came first, the asylum tour or that movie, but like, it's the same outfit. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Any, like, anyway, anyway, so with that, with that lead up, check out the world premiere of the brand new Shameless video. And stick to the end because we'll be back and we got a lot more fun stuff to talk with Alex. Hey, Bruce. What's up? Hey, Charlotte. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. I just got back from Europe. Now that I've got you on the phone, I've got one question for you. How come Love is Blind was never used on any of the KISS records? I don't know, and I was touring with Meatloaf at the time. Well, I think we should use it on our record and get Frankie to sing it. What do you reckon? Hey, that's a great idea. And I'll even do the guitar work on it. So let's talk soon. All right.
I'll talk to you soon, dude. Bye. Bye. Fill us in, you know, what, you know, what was it like recording, making the video? Because you did that during COVID. Yeah. I mean, what was the, you know, let's hear the challenges, not just during COVID, but different countries. Yeah. I mean, different time zones. Well, how did you manage to make this all work and actually look good? Yeah. 
<laughs> Thank you. Well, we already did another video before the one for the, the song Shout It Out. And we filmed parts of it in the studio, of, uh, in the garage of our studio. And T, our drummer, he did his parts like just somewhere in Arizona. And the same was with the recordings. I mean, we did the drums in the States, in LA and in Phoenix, Arizona. Then the guitars were done in Germany and Denmark. And Bruce, obviously, like he did his tracks at home in Vegas. And Charlotte did a part of her vocals in New Zealand. And then she still came over because that's like always like, like Charlotte is pretty much like, I don't care what's, what's going on. I'm coming. I don't care. Just get me on a flight and let's do whatever needs to be done. And Frankie did all his vocals in New Orleans because like he also has his own studio there, which makes everything much easier. But it was kind of like, it was actually not that complicated because just really? because with the internet and everything, it's so easy. I remember like we did one song pretty much like last minute and I just called our drummer and said like, look, can you record this tomorrow? And he was like, yeah, sure, why not? And then Dennis did his tracks like the day after and then Charlotte just like um, did her vocals like a few days later. So it was actually easier instead of like being, okay, let's fly here and let's meet up. That's really like the great thing with the technology and the same with the Love is Blind video. Like all this stuff was shot on different places. Like I, I did mine at a lake that's only like 20 minutes away from here. Frankie flew somewhere and I, I think it was like somewhere in Mexico or something because he's always traveling around the States pretty much nonstop. And then Bruce, his footage was done like at his house. That's Bruce's place or like his garden that you see in the video. So did you have challenges, whether it was in the video or recording the album, of making consistent sound and consistent video? And what I mean is, I mean, yeah, the Internet is great because, you know, you can just zip files over the Internet to somebody else yeah. and they can add their track underneath it. But, you know, you've got different rooms, different cameras, different mics. And all of that can just be a, enough of a difference where you're like, crap, the quality of that video filmed in Mexico versus the quality that Bruce filmed in Vegas versus the quality you filmed where you're living in Germany, you know, lighting's a little different. And, yeah. I mean, was that was that a challenge of how you were like, all right, can can we just try and make sure everybody's using the same type of gear, same lighting? That was actually pretty easy because I just made sure that like everyone had at least like a new iPhone because the camera in those phones, that, that's insane. Like if you compare yeah. it to professional cameras that people used like, like 20 years ago to film like $500 $500,000 productions. The quality of the camera and the iPhone is way better than that. And then it's just, it just comes down to the editing. And that thing, it took me and my guy like, like two days to get everything together. Cause obviously you want to make sure that like, you know, like the tone of the colors and everything. Yeah, the corrections. Matches. Yeah. 
so little things like that. And it's just like always, my problem is always like the little stuff that I see. And that's why also like, I don't have anyone that would edit it for me. Cause I always know if somebody else does it, then you see footage that you don't want in there. Yeah. You have to have control. Yeah. yeah. And then if you pay somebody to do that and it's like person takes forever or like, it doesn't matter how professional or, but like they might see things in a different way than I do. That's also why I stopped using um, producers uh, like, like, 15 years ago because I, I noticed every time like when we did the first record was Gilby Clark I mean like Gilby is amazing but he just comes from a different musical background so and I was like no that that's actually not I mean like I still have a hard time like listening to our first record because I know it's not how it was supposed to be but then you know you're kind of like okay this is just like that's the situation now and I was like no I never want to get into something similar like that. Cause like you see it so many times with bands like, Oh yeah, we did that record. I'm not happy with that or whatsoever. I mean, like when you talk. Yeah. But I mean, you're, you're, you're hundred percent right. I mean, you know, we can, in the kiss world, we can go back to psycho circus after the fact, you know, Paul said many times, you know, as great a producer as Bruce Fairburn was, he just didn't like, the way it ended up sounding basically. But, but is that something that happens after the fact that you change your mind? Cause that, that's one of the things, cause I'm not an artist that I've never understood is how, I, I guess I don't quite get how, how you turn a record in and you give it the green light, but then you go back to it and go, is it like seeing an old picture of yourself from many years ago that you didn't like the haircut? Yeah. A little bit like that. And and it's like, I mean, like, obviously, like when we did the first record, it was just like, there was just so much going on and everything. So I was like, okay, you know, and I was like, no, this is cool. But now listening to it, like, like 20 years later, I'm like, oh God, like, you know, I wish we would just like redo the whole fucking thing. But you know <laughs> so, what? Technology changes too, though. You know, oh, I mean. Absolutely. You know, and also like, Sometimes it's the people you work with. I mean, like, like for us, the biggest challenge and change when we did that record was because like on all the previous records, we always had Steve Summers on the record. But then um, he went to like a trip from hell, like was his brother dying, his father dying. And then he also got sick. I mean, I don't want to get into that because I feel like that sure. is something that he has to talk about. Yeah. But like the whole thing made it pretty much impossible for him to do the record. And so I was like, so what should we do now? And then at that point, I was releasing my book, the DeLorean book. And I was like, okay, I want a song that goes with the book. So, and then I just asked Charlotte, since like I'm always working with her for the last like five years. I was like, hey, do you want to try this? And she was like, yeah, sure. Why not? And she did the song in like, like, I don't know, like an hour or something. And everybody was just like, holy shit, this is insane. And then we were just like, okay, let's try another one. And then like uh, a friend of mine who plays in a band that we somehow all like, which is kind of like the reason why this podcast exists, not him as a person, but like the band. 
And he was like, oh my God, get out to sing on all the songs. And I was like, yeah, but that wouldn't be shameless. But like, he was like sending me messages like, get rid of everybody else, just let her do all the stuff. <laughs> and that was in some way, like, it was like a nightmare to go through the thing with Stevens and stuff. But then on the other hand, the end result was better than anyone expected. Well, you know, I, I want to get back to your comments about self-producing. I mean, and I, and I totally get where you're coming from, but at the same time, and, and we've said this, and I'm sure you've heard us say this on the show many times, or, you know, at least I said, I don't want to put words in anybody else's mouths, but like, you know, Sonic Boom and Monster were produced by Paul Stanley, self-produced. And, and in, in my opinion, they're nowhere near as good as what Kiss could have done if they had a real producer. When you compare like Eddie Kramer, Bob Ezrin, Michael <laughs> James Jackson. So why is it for some artists like you, you can make it work and deliver the goods when you self-produce, but then other artists like Kiss with Paul Stanley, and I'm not, and I, you know, Paul Stanley did a lot of the work during the eighties and I'm not saying yeah. that stuff is bad, but I'm just saying these last two albums, Sonic Boom and Monster to me just clearly felt like what was missing. You know, it was like these albums are 80, 90% great that extra 10% was because there was no producer there to put that extra little sizzle sound polish, whatever it might be that a producer can do that the artist is too close to it and can't see it themselves, hear it themselves. Why, why does it work for some and not for others? I tell you exactly the reason that I think like, especially in the kiss case, because like when you listen to a record like Asylum that was completely produced by Paul, which is like pretty much like the best record of the non-makeup period, in my opinion, because it's not them trying to be whatever. Now we sound like Bon Jovi or whatever. It was just like pure kiss. And even the gene songs were great. I think the biggest problem is that Paul is simply not hungry anymore for that. He doesn't care. And that is the biggest issue because like, when you listen to, I mean, it's not my kind of music at all. That Soul Station record, that is something that he was into. And all of a sudden, you know, like you're thinking about this, you think about that, doing this, whatever. And he puts the effort in. With Monster, it was probably just like somebody was like, okay, here's whatever amount of money can you do this? Because like, as much as I like Sonic Boom, I think Monster is just, thoughtless and, and terrible. Like the only song I like is the Tommy Sayer one. And, 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 for, and for me, the, the only song I like off of, really love off of Monster is Right Here, Right Now, which is the bonus track from an iTunes download. It's not even yeah. the main, main release. I mean, I, I yeah, I get what you're saying. I mean, maybe it was, it literally was the Universal saying, hey, kiss we'll give you half a million dollars we want another album oh okay i can go in and shit out a kiss album it's that easy to do I mean, and, just think about like how many of those songs did they ever play live <clears throat> one like the what, what was it called like the, color hallelujah 
that's the only one they played like a few times. When you watch the Animalize live video, how many songs did they play from Animalize on the Animalize tour? At one point, they even started with I've Had Enough, then obviously Heavens on Fire, Swirls in the Night, Under the Gun, and then... But could that also be part of them trying to sell records at that point? Things have changed. But I would argue that Monster has two of my... I still like Right Here, Right Now, but... I love Long Way Down and Freak. I, I absolutely love both of those songs, but I'm horribly disappointed at the way they sound. They sound to me very, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. Whereas like, I thought that the sound of Sonic Boom was very full. Yeah. But this one's, but Monster sounds. And, 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 and yeah, I was going to say almost like I, a, a bit <laughs> flat, a bit, I, I but like, to, to me, that, that that's one that's one of those things where it's like, but isn't that something that a producer, a great producer, you know, a Bob Ezrin and Eddie Kramer or a Michael James Jackson would have fixed, would have made sure, you know, that the, the I think a lot of the songs on Monster are great songs. They're just not there. They just didn't get pushed over the edge where, you know, if 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 those songs on Monster as they were released were brought into any of those three name producers, the producers might have said, no, we got to redo this one, this one, this one, that that that's got to come out. We'll make them all better because you got something here, but they weren't finished yet. And I feel like that's what was missing off of those last two albums is they weren't finished. That's also a part of it. And that's like, I mean, I had the discussion with Tommy a few times about like, because I'm always to this day, like disappointed that like, if the band now says really goodbye in like a couple of months, that like Monster will be the last record, you know, that, that's like the worst ending of a band that had so many. Well, let, 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 let's be honest. The absolute last recording will be from the Scooby-Doo movie, the Ascot song. Yeah, but that's not a full record. And no, like, I, get, I get it's not a full record, but that is the last recording yeah. <laughs> that, that's going to have Kiss members on it. No, because I, I said that to Tommy and I was also talking with Mark about that. Like, like the best thing would be if they would actually do another record, but not in the way they did like the last 10 or whatever records. They should have a record where they get everyone that was ever involved in the band involved with it. You know, like obviously like let have like Eric plays all the drums because I don't see Peter being able to go into the studio and really record songs on drums. But like, if you have like something like 11 or 12 songs on the record, you have, you give Paul two songs, Gene two, two for Ace, two for Peter, and then give one to Eric and one to Tom. I, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. And, you know, from a fan standpoint, we would sit here and go, oh, that would be so cool. But that's also sort of what I hated about the last two albums. It's like, oh, we got to come up with a song for the drummer to sing, and we got to come up with a song for the lead guitarist to sing. Why? If it Why? Just because that's become habit for Kiss over the years? If they aren't great songs, and they aren't performed great, I don't want them on an album. 
I but want great songs. And, 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 and if that last Kiss album to be the greatest Kiss album ever literally was only, you know, 60% Paul, 40% Gene, and nobody else got to sing because they just weren't good enough, I yeah, but- want the best song possible. I don't want to play the, well, let's make sure the drummer sings a ballad on this album. Why the fuck does the drummer have to sing a ballad? Why? No, that's not even what I mean. Because like it, it, it all starts obviously first was like who will write the song. So you would obviously get a team in the band together. Like who writes? That's also why you would need Vinny in the mix. You know, if you have said that's like, never going to oh, happen. That will never I know. happen. This I is know. a wish list. This is a wish thing. Exactly. <laughs> So, you know, if they well, then I do- wish I wish Eric Carr was alive and he could record and I wish Mark St. John was alive. And I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but I, I guess let's try and put some be realistic here. Let's what, be realistic. Get, let's let, say, you know, if there's going to be a last kiss album, which sounds like there really won't be. But the possibility, no, the possibility still exists out there, especially if. Let's just be straight up and clear here. If Universal went to Kiss and said, here's a million dollars, we want one more Kiss album, there'll be one more Kiss album. No, I mean, like, even if you exclude Vinny as an example, if you have, like, you know, like the typical, like, like Gene Paul and have Ace and Peter involved with it, you just need somebody, like, who worked the best with them. It was, like, guys like Esrin, Vinny Poncia, and um, Michael James Jackson. They need somebody like that to work with them. They don't need the outside, like the, God, what's his name? Michael Bolton or like the, the Desmond, oh, Child. Desmond, Desmond Child. I, I yeah, agree. Like, they don't need outside songwriters. That, I agree with that. My point is just like, you know, like to have a record where really like the people that were in the band released that record, not to shorten it down to the current lineup to really say, okay, this is the final thing. And, you know, give Peter something to sing. And like, you know, cause if he- It's, ne- it's never gonna happen. The, I, don't, I don't see Paul ever <laughs> That's- bringing, bringing Peter in. Now, now could, they, could, could they pull out an old demo that Peter did and finish it? Sure, but I just don't see any chance of Peter Chris ending up in the studio with Gene and Paul. No, I mean, there's two reasons why why it will not happen. We all know that. Like, like one is Gigi, obviously, and the second one is Paul, because I don't think, like, Paul, you know, like, he has a big ego, let's face it. Like, and I'm sure, like, he's not, like, like he was on, on Dynasty. He was like, well, I'm fine with only, like, singing sweet tracks, and I give the rest to Gene and Ace or even on, on mask. But like, those are still like my favorite records, like dynasty, you know, where everybody was really singing on the record and stuff. And the songs were incredible. The same goes for the production. I mean, like whatever some people say about, like I was made for loving you being a, a disco track. I, a disco track for me is like a song, like village people or Donna summer, something like that. But like, I right. don't see, I was made as a like a real disco song and on mass like still to this day like those songs are like that's the record really? that i still listen to the most because like the yeah, song i love on mass that's one of my favorites i cannot 
sing of a bad song on that record. I mean, we did um, a long time ago, we did a cover of Tomorrow because that was always when I'm tuning guitars or whatever, that was always the song I was playing on acoustic guitar. And I was like, fuck, we should record that. And all the other songs, you know, like, like Talk To Me, also Shandy. Yeah, it's a ballad, but like, it's not a bad ballad. It's actually a great one. Same, and, and that goes to the whole record. So, and that's what they would need. Cause like the, and, and with Monster, cause like even as bad as um, Carnival of Souls is, but like at least they tried something. Yeah, it was following the trends, but on Monster, I just don't hear anything original or nothing that like, oh, this reminds me on whatever they did before. I just don't hear anything that stands out. And for me, that's always the worst part about a song when I listen to it. And afterwards, I can't remember what I was just listening to. But, but from a technical standpoint, and you may not be able to answer this, but I'm curious because I want to dial this back too, because I think part of that last Kiss record idea is finding a producer. So yeah. when you look at Monster and you listen to it from the musicianship standpoint, does it literally go all the way back to physically recording the instruments or does that sound that flat sound like Michael was saying, does that come in post-production in a mix? The sound that is always something you do in the mix. Okay. So you could, so you could theoretically take all of the master tapes of monster and they could put someone in there, like whomever, Ezra or whatever that could go through and remaster the whole thing and make it sound completely different. Well, remastering wouldn't do it. Like you really have to remix the songs. Okay, so you'd have to go back to the the what was it a sixteen track or whatever? To the original and, tracks and then like remix that. Remix I mean, those. Okay. That's pretty much what we did with the the Lorian song, that Live Your Dream song, because we didn't have yeah. time, you know, to record a full new song. So I was like, "Fuck, let's just use one of an, one of our older songs." put new lyrics on and rework the instruments. We didn't re-record like the instruments themselves, but Dave, our engineer from New Zealand, like he just like mixed it in a completely different way. Obviously like technology changed a lot between 99 and 2021, but that's what we did. And the only thing that came new were the vocals. So you could pretty much redo as long as you still have the masters, you can do whatever you want with them. And But like with Monster, it's not even so much, I mean, the sound is also not good, but like the, the thing that's missing are the songs that have quality. Because no matter what you say about Psycho Circus, those were sought out songs. That's just like, uh, except for the, the one that they forced Peter to sing the- Well, yeah, yeah I mean, and but it, you're 100% right, I mean, I honestly love Psycho Circus a lot more than Sonic yeah. Boom or oh. Monster for other than the forced part. I mean, again, I was like, why the fuck are they forcing Peter to sing a ballad just because Peter, you know, that's that's like typecasting an actor who's always going to have to play a villain. It's like, why why typecast and end up with a crappy song just because that's what you think is needed? And, and nothing against Ace or what he did, but again, was that 
just something they came up with to give Ace. So Ace had a song on the album and maybe it wasn't the best effort. I don't want what I guess what I'm saying is I don't want a final kiss album to have any of that bullshit of, well, it might not be the best song, but we got to give one song to the drummer, Eric Singer. Oh, we got to give one song to the lead guitarist, Tommy Thayer. If they're great songs, they deserve it. If the producer says that song is just not fucking good enough, I don't want it on there. You know, Tommy and I have always said this in any discussion. At the end of the day, I don't give a crap who's playing on it. I want a great song. At the end of the day, the song (laughs) is what matters the most. But see, that's already the difference because like like the most sought out song on Monster is the Tommy song because like you can tell like, oh, this is my chance. Like I have because he grew up being a Kiss fan and he was probably like, fuck, this is I have another chance to put a song on a Kiss record. That's like what I always wanted when sure. I was like, oh, no, no, I, I agree. I agree. I, and, I, and, and, and I'm not saying that's what happened with those albums. But I'm just saying I don't want that to be in anybody's mind if they were to record a Last Kiss album. I, If I were to say a Last Kiss album, what do I want? I want nothing but Kiss members. And I'm not saying it's got to be every living Kiss member. I just don't want ghost musicians. I don't want outside songwriters. I want the members of the band in the studio and I want a producer who's worth his weight and fucking gold who will stand up to Gene and more so Paul and say that sucks and go back and rewrite it and keep doing it until I tell you this is good. And and yeah, and, and if that's the constraints that are followed, I have a lot and and I should add nobody sitting here going are we recreating Destroyer? Does this sound like Destroyer? Because you can never, you can never forcibly yeah. recreate that. So just go in with band members, great producer, and do it over and over until the song is great. And that's the Kiss album I want. If but, that means bringing Peter in because a producer thought Peter could make it a better song, I'm all for that. I just don't want someone to sit here and go, well, I don't want Paul or Gene to say, uh, hey, Bob Ezrin, we got to bring Peter Chris in. Why do you need to bring him in? Well, because that's what's expected of us on this last album. No, but like, see, that that is not even my point about it. Because like, I'm I'm the last person that's like, oh yeah, you have to have him on the record because like, yeah, ballad, whatever. But the thing is, was Peter when you listen to his stuff, and he simply is like a, such an incredible singer. Just I agree. To- Solo records, and I'm not saying like, oh, you know, whatever. So, because as you say, that that song was simply not a good song. It was terrible. Yeah. Like that's the only bad song. Diane Warren song. Is that what you're talking about? Or no, no. On on Psycho Circus, the Peter's ballad. What was it freaking called? I I I finally found my way back to you. Yeah. Yeah. Beth Part Two. Let's just call it that. That's not, you know, like the, that's not what I meant at all. Was it like, oh, we just need to have him on the record. So let's just give him like a crappy song. I really mean like really focus first on the songs. Okay. 
let's work on something because that was something that the band i think forgot to do for the last like 30 years because when was the last record they actually wrote together you know you have to think about that like well who's the, they the original four or just any version i mean just you any you version could, i mean like you could probably say revenge or carnival souls I mean, I don't like Carnival Souls, but that was that was a band effort. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it was, I mean, like in the 90s, everyone that came from the 70s or 80s. Psycho Circus was not a band effort. We know no. that. No, that was just like, okay, what do we have to do? You know, but but again, I will say it was a it was it was it was whatever they had to do, and it and it actually frankly turned out sounding, in my opinion pretty much like a great kiss album yeah other than other than you know the force yeah. peter song but you know they 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 did it there but yeah i mean I, yeah i i i would i would personally love to have ace and peter on it i don't see yeah. peter being involved and i don't i see too much politics that will never get overcome to allow that to happen but you know, and God, if, if Peter's drumming was still up to par, even to get him to drum like he used to in the 70s on one song, because we know he was never a heavy metal drummer. And that's what I loved about him. Oh, absolutely. You know, he well, was he was a drummer in a, in a hard rock slash metal band. And you're like, but he's not <laughs> a metal drummer. You listen to his drum solos and they just <laughs> roll and they flow. And, and it's oh. not, you know, and nothing against Eric Carr people, but Eric Carr was all about, you know, boom, boom, Middle. exploding everywhere. It was, that was what was going on in the eighties. That's not Peter. And, and that, what Peter brought that style of drumming made Kiss really unique and a special oh, sound and his vocals. <laughs> and as you said, his singing was great. The best example for me is like the song rock and all night. Go on YouTube and compare versions it doesn't matter if you use like a version from lick it up to uh, animalize whatever unless it's the original four the song is terrible because like as they just don't have like eric or tommy they don't have that sloppiness bruce didn't have that either like the i remember my daughter was something like like four or five years old and I had a CD in the car and it was like a mixed one. It was Rock and Roll Night came up from the Alive 3. And my daughter said something like, well, did they ask Kiss for permission? Because they suck. <laughs> and I was like, I, I, I couldn't say, no, that is Kiss. But she was like, that is so terrible. Like, how could someone ruin that song? And I was like, Jesus, if like a four-year-old kid already noticed like how I don't even find a word like, you know, certain things you cannot play too perfect because then it don't work. And even like during the reunion, when you watch that, what was it like when they played at the, that MTV awards, when they played rock and all night. Under the Brooklyn how, Bridge. Exactly. And yeah. the song sounded perfect just because it had all that sloppiness from Ace and Peter and also the combination of the backing vocals. Yeah, and 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 it's funny. I, I mean, I agree. The sloppiness is key. And we've taken so much shit because 
Tommy, remember when we did that episode where we basically called it Ace is a sloppy guitar player and and the Ace Fraley fans got pissed at us. And we were saying it as a compliment because Ace himself describes his playing that way. One of the best descriptions, you know, Ace, I don't remember where, how the question came up. Somebody was talking to Ace about playing with all that jewelry. You know, because he plays with rings on every finger and and bracelets. Yeah. And they're like, how do you how do you play with all that without making mistakes? And he's like, that's that's part of what makes my sound. Is every time it might be slightly different because the ring hits the string, the bracelet hits something, and that was his sound. That was his style. That made it. It made it a sound that you cannot recreate exactly you can play the notes which is oh. what what bruce and Vinny and tommy do they play the notes in the right order and everything but they can't recreate the exact ace fraley feel because you know i mean just you watch <laughs> ace fraley play sometimes he's just up there it's like i don't know what the fuck i'm doing ah, you know yeah, but then on the other end, like Bruce never really tried to copy Ace. Like his stuff was so unique. And uh, it's just funny because like when we did our new record, we have a song on there where I thought it would be cool to have every guitar player that was involved in the record to play a part of the guitar solo. So I told Bruce like, hey, what do you think about that? He was like, yeah, I'm into but like, what should I play? And then I told him to watch the Animalize live video, the version that they played of Creatures of the Night on that tour. Because like his guitar solo, he was obviously fresh in the band. It was just like, okay, those are the songs. And for the solo, they probably just said like, play whatever you feel. And that guitar solo is like the meanest thing he ever played. Cause it's like just raw and he's going like crazy without the technical thing that he later used for the guitar solo and creatures like on a live street. So I told him, watch that video and whatever you played there, play something like that. And he was like, oh, I have to look at the video again because I haven't seen it in years. And he was like, oh, I get it. And he totally, he sent the track like, like an hour later. I was like, is that what you expected? And I was like, yeah, that's exactly that mean Thing and Bruce never tried to copy really Ace's stuff or anything. Like the only, I think the only solo where he did that was like on the "I Still Love You." But 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 even there again, you couldn't copy Ace. You you could right. play the same notes, yeah, in the same order, but you couldn't copy it. That's what gets me about the the Ace fans who are like, "Oh, everybody's just being told to copy Ace." No, they're playing the same notes in the same order, but they can't copy Ace because it's actually impossible to copy Ace because he's got all those all that external stuff that impacts his sound that only he has. And he could play the same song two nights in a row and it's going to be completely different because of all of that. That's what made it so special <clears throat> and made it impossible to just pick up and copy. Yeah, but Ace is so unique when it comes to those things because I was talking with him about that a couple of years ago because uh, I told him like one of the most impressive things about Ace for me is the way he plays bass because 
when you listen to some of the tracks, like on his solo records, like the old ones, you know, the, the, the 78 one, and also he played bass on a lot of songs on Dynasty and on Mast. And I also think like on one of the songs on The Elder, like what's the name of that song? Um, the instrumental one, Dark Light. Escape from the Island. Isn't it? Yeah, oh right. yeah, Escape from the Island. So, and, and when you listen to those songs and I said like, like, like you're, bass playing i always love it because like he doesn't play like a usual typical baseball like me i i wouldn't even think about like playing in it that way but like he plays guitar on a bass but like in his style and that's just always so interesting to listen to yeah no i i agree i mean again getting back to a final kiss album I think we all would love it. Yeah. I, I, I don't, let's put it this way. I don't want the final Kiss album to just be Monster 2.0. No. Where it's Paul going in and, hey, you know, he, he, I mean, here's what it comes down to. You know, to get a producer that they need, they're going to have to pay. Yeah. So I just don't see that happening because Paul and Gene would go, why pay? It's not going to yeah. it's not going to sell anymore. Let's just do it ourselves. Well, you do it because it's going to sound better and it's going to be a kiss record. So exactly. hopefully, hopefully that last kiss record, if it ever happened, isn't going to just be Paul going in and producing the band again, because I just don't think that's going to be any better of a final goodbye than what monster is. No, because like, I think he's just going through the motions with like the kiss stuff. Cause like, I guess like these days, like, you know, like he's more like, like, you know, like the soul station, whatever, like that's what, he, what he sees like a challenge and like, oh, you know, this is something I can impress Rod Stewart with or, or something like that. I mean, whatever it is. I mean, if that's what his passion is, that's great. I mean, I think that's, that, 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 that's a key thing, too. I mean, a final Kiss record, if, if the two main guys, Gene and or Paul, are going into this basically being forced to do it, it's going to end up sucking. We're going to be able to hear that, and we're going to feel that in the final results. You've yeah, got you, to want to do an incredible album that is an incredible Kiss record. It's got to be in your passion to want to do that. And if you can't do it. Yeah, but like with Gene, I think once you have him on board, I remember like it was like a couple of years ago and I was also like, I was talking with him after one of his solo shows. And then he said something about like money or whatever, like, oh, you have to do this and that. And I, said, and I told him like, look, if you would care so much about the money, how come you're here on a tour playing like 20 whatever shows and you don't sell merch? So it means like you cannot really care about money if you miss out on the opportunity to sell 20 nights, 100 shirts and whatever shit. And then he was like, oops. <laughs> you know, so you like brought, I, you busted them. Gene, I mean, like obviously for the media and stuff, it's like, yeah, yeah it's all about the money and look how many products blah 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 what we have and because i even remember when i told him about my idea of doing love is blind and, and then like the only thing is like well just make sure it's awesome and, you know so like it was not he could have said 
well, where's my cut for that or whatever? There was nothing. The only thing he said was like, just make sure it's awesome. Nothing in regards of money or anything else. Well, you know, and, and, and I give Gene this credit on Sonic Boom and Monster. Gene is Gene was back. His yeah. song, his songs were the best songs on those albums. You could tell it was like, all right, Gene's back. He's not just shitting out a song because he needs one for that day in the studio. He was actually writing some great stuff on those albums. But that was already was Carnival of Souls. I mean, like as much as the Paul songs suck, because it's just like, what was that one song where Paul is singing about like money? I don't need it, whatever. Like all those songs, they seem so fake. You know, that, that's well, the like, whole thing was fake and contrived. That's the problem. I mean, how yeah. can they're 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 trying to be a depressing, concerned band all of a sudden when yeah. they just when they just spent their entire career being a good time party band? It's like yeah. that but was like, so contrived, you could <clears throat> never believe it. But that's the thing with the Gene songs on that record, because like those seem like what is that great song, Childhood's End? Like, and there's so many, the Gene songs on Carnival of Souls, I really like, because I think they really, you can tell, like he did put some effort in those songs. I, 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 yeah, I, I will say this, you know, Gene's character, even out of makeup, is a darker, more evil person yeah and and yeah i mean look at revenge look at unholy that's gene that works so it does work a little bit better for him on carnival of souls i'm sorry paul stanley can never be that no paul stanley is crazy crazy nights my way you know he's he's up there rallying the crowd to have a great fucking time Exactly. And don't, and don't don't be depressed and don't don't let the man tell you what to do. And all of a sudden on Carnival of Souls, he's deep and meaning. It's just like, no, no, not just, not worth that. That's Paul Stanley out of character like Gene was on Lick It Up when he had to take the makeup off. Absolutely. And like I remember when I heard those Carnival of Souls songs, like the first time when everybody had the famous cassette copy. And I was just like. How are they going to do this life? Like, Paul is like, hey, everybody, how are you feeling? Money. I are you need. feeling depressed? <laughs> exactly. Do you want to hang yourself? You know, it's just like, you know, just, I know that like a joke that that that's why that whole album n- never works for me. No matter how often I go back and try and listen to it. I mean, you know, I don't know if it was Paul who said it. Other, I've said it. Many people. It's a great album. It's just not a great Kiss album. Take the Kiss logo off of it. Make it a Bruce Kulick solo album featuring yeah. members of Kiss. Yeah, exactly. You know, because it's just like, I mean, if it would have been only Gene songs, it would have worked better. But like the Paul stuff, it just it's like a bad joke. Yeah. It's like sometimes when you see those parodies of like like TV shows or something, that, that's kind of like how it felt like. It was like, no, that, that's not Paul Stanley. And like maybe he has this side in him where he's like depressed or whatever, but like it's not his thing like to. Well, that, about- that if he does, and that's fine. 
that's a Paul Stanley solo album. That's not exactly. a Kiss album. You know, I'll go all the way back to, you know, 78. That Peter Chris album in 78 might be a great album. It sucked as a Kiss record. It should never have had a Kiss logo on it. It should have never had makeup on it. Eve, I'll say that even about Gene's solo album in 78. You know, Ace and Paul, those were great. So don't bullshit yourself. You yeah, know? but always like how you look at something for me, like the Gene and the Peter ones, them, and even back in the day, they were like the more interesting ones because I was like, okay, because obviously I was like nine years old when I heard those records the first time because obviously I didn't get those when they came out. And I was like, okay, the, this, this is interesting because I was never like a metal guy anyway, you know, like, like sometimes when Mark says something about like when Unmasked came out, like the same year came Judas vomit out. I mean, like I can't stand that kind of music that, Oh, whatever. I read in like any of those records, like my favorite records from that period are like, yeah, kiss Unmasked and get the neck, but I'm not a metal guy guy in yeah but you know i i would and again as mark says timelines everything so in 78 when those came out i was not a metal head i mean i was still discovering music but i pretty much focused on kiss but i hadn't you know i wasn't listening to zeppelin and deep purple and you know all even the who or any i was it was kiss 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 so it was just the boy i just listened to rock and roll over and alive too and love gun and now this peter chris solo album yeah because you you've also mentioned you expected it to be something different than it was well i I, but i think that it it's fair to have expected it to be something different because it had a kiss logo on it it had makeup on it why wouldn't you have as a i was 14 why wouldn't a 14-year-old expect that to be another KISS type of album? That when it wasn't, you were like, whoa, this is, this is such a left turn from, from anything KISS had done. Anything KISS had done prior to that. But even though you and I grew up in the same city, we had alternate perceptions of things. Because I can remember reading... Um, extensively about these solo records coming out and how each one of them are going to be completely different because it's the music that each member wanted well, I, to I, rem- I remember hearing that but again as a 14 year old that didn't mean much to me other than hey it's each guy writing their own music doing their own album and i'm like okay so gene's album is going to be a whole bunch of dr loves and god of thunders you know yeah, see, i it wasn't I no. didn't see that at all because, like in Germany, there were not really. I mean, remember, like when I re- discovered those records, it was like already a year after they came out. So I never saw any reviews about those records. I was just like, okay, um, Ace is my favorite one. So that's the record I get first. And then I just bought them step by step. And I remember, like, like listening to those records, I was like, Huh. And it was not a big surprise to me because like Bess was on Destroyer and that's already like a turn in the other direction. And so I was like, okay, that's, that's Peter. 
I didn't expect really like, a, you know, like, oh, he's going to do whatever. I was just like, okay, as long as it has like, it has Peter singing all the songs, the rest you didn't know anyway, you know, like that whoever played whatever instruments on it. But I just thought that was the interesting part about it. And it's like the same with food. If you go to a restaurant, let's call it the Kiss restaurant, and you don't always eat the Destroyer burger. One day you want to have the Destroyer burger. The next day you want to have the, the Elder pizza or whatever. Like that's the interesting thing about Kiss, which I think makes it like so incredible. Even like listening to the stuff for like over 40 years that you have the variation. It's like going to a restaurant. Oh, I want to have a piece of chocolate cake. I want to have this, but I don't want to have the same thing like ACDC or Manowar, where you know they did like 50 records with the same song. And with Kiss, you never really had that. It was always like a, like a very interesting change. Yeah, some of the records didn't sell that much, but like especially the stuff like, you know, like that it's different. I think that's the beauty about it because like the voices stayed the same, which I think is always like the most important thing. But like to have, wouldn't we all be disappointed if Kiss would have released another Destroyer over another Destroyer part 16, like, like ACDC did? Where would we be? There wouldn't be that much to talk about because it yeah. would be just like, if you give somebody a box with all the Kiss records and a box with all the ACDC records, it's easier to spot out the Kiss songs than the ACDC ones. I mean, I see it with my wife because obviously she would, she knew some of the Kiss songs before we met, but not all of it. And then like sometimes the songs that she picks, like that she likes, it, it's just so interesting. Cause like she, she also thinks like, yeah. Cause like everything has its own character like the records, unlike some bands where like really every record sounds the same. Yeah, Alex, I said, I, I'm sorry, Michael. I said no, go ahead. I said the same thing. That's the greatest thing about kisses. Sometimes you want to listen to 70s kiss, or maybe you're in the mood to hear crazy nights. But yes. that's that's what I've always said is the fact that it's like a potpourri. It nothing sounds the same. And you know, that's the greatest thing. I've said well, that I, I I agree. It's just the Peter album, the Gene album, and Carnival of Souls are just a bunch of stinking roses in the garden that you know, pick them and throw them away. I mean, I'm sorry. I've tried many times to go back to each of those albums. Even now, when I can go back and understand why they were done and what was going on, it's like, no, this is just, but, but you this, know this, this is not shit. You know, if I, if I want to listen to Carnival of Souls, I'm going to go find a band that actually does that good. Well, it's, out of all the albums that they ever put out, I mean, not every album can be. Oh, I, I agree. You know? so, I, no, I you're 100% say, right. Out of the catalog that's like this big, there's maybe there's like. always going to, every artist is going to have clunkers. I'm just saying, as a 14-year-old kid, when, you know, I've been cranking, I've been cranking Destroyer, Rock and Roll Over, Love Gun, and Alive too, over and over and over and over again. And I get an album with a Kiss logo on it. I wasn't expecting that drastic of a departure when I played Peter's album. That—that's all. I'm, it was a huge unexpected change. Even if it is what he 
grew up listening, was influenced by. I totally get that. I totally respect that. He did what he wanted to do. I'm just saying, as a Kiss fan, that was like a slap across the face going, whoa, what the hell is this? And, you know, Radioactive started out great on Gene's solo album. And after that, it was like, what the fuck is going on? When you wish upon a star, this is the God of Thunder. I'm, I'm confused by this. Mm-hmm. A 14-year-old is confused. Now I can look back and go, I totally get it. I know why that's important to him. I get it. I appreciate that. I respect it. As a 14-year-old kid, none of that shit meant anything to you other than, I want to fucking crank this up. And how do I crank when you wish upon a star? How do I fucking skip the air guitar? You just yeah, skip but like, the song. That's also like the, the, the you know, how, how to say it, like, like that as an example, because like when you listen to all the other songs on the record, there's so much like... Um, interesting stuff on like see you tonight for example or like man of a thousand faces and like all those songs and it's like that's to me what makes it interesting you know because it's I not like oh I, I, it makes it, it it makes it interesting now i'm just saying as a 14 year old kid i'm i was the type of fan who was looking for interesting and introspective and analyzing and you know i fucking want to drop the needle on that album and i want my speakers to cause me to jump off my bed playing air guitar pretending i'm at a kids concert so but, that, but that's like, all that mattered to a, a kid back in the 70s for me i should say well yeah. that, that's exactly the thing because like it, i think it also always depends like what other music you were listening to because like for me like when i talked to mark like he was always like a metal kid pretty much you know, and that goes for yeah. a lot of people. For me, it was like before I knew Kiss, the only thing I knew was Elvis. And then there came Kiss. And then pretty much right after that, I was like eight years old. I watched TV and I saw Kate Bush for the first time. And I was like, what is that? Because like at that point, at the age of eight, I didn't, the only female singers I knew were, were like some crap that my mother was listening to you know and i saw (laughs) and i didn't even know that women can do that i mean like fact is nobody else can do it like kate bush but like when when i saw that i was like i I couldn't put it together in my head because like i never heard anything like that so for me it was already at that point when i was like eight years old on one hand i was listening to kiss on the other hand i was listening to stuff like kate bush and so I guess so for me, it was not as different or difficult than for somebody that's like a metal freak or whatever. Like sometimes when you hear those Metallica fans, like, oh, they they sold so they sold out like once they did the black record. No, it's just like you cannot do the same shit over and over unless you're like ACDC or Man of War or like, you know, any of those bands. Well, yeah. And, you know, and and. Tommy and I especially have talked about this. You know, when I was brought up as a kid, music wasn't introduced to me by a family member. I had a younger sister. I had no older siblings. My parents were pretty much listening to old school country music. So, you know, I was left to my own to discover music. And it was basically influenced by what I would hear friends talking about. Yeah. 
You know, I, I, I distinctly remember my, my best friend across the street, Brian, talking about Kiss once. Okay, he mentions Kiss. I like Brian. All right, I'm going to check out this band Kiss. That was it. I hadn't heard him, checked him out. So, so my musical upbringing would have been different from somebody like Tommy, who had siblings who were already playing music that might have been of the Peter Chris solo album style. Exactly. So he was already familiar with it. Me, yep. I, Motown? What the fuck is Motown? Is that where I go to mow somebody's lawn? Is that next door? <laughs> you know, Motown meant nothing to me it's as, still, as that kid. I to be honest, No clue. It still, it still doesn't mean anything to me either because like it, that kind of music... I like some of it, but like it was never popular here in Europe, you know, like at least from what I know. And, and for me, music was pretty much I discovered everything by myself because my parents weren't really around. And at the age of like seven or eight, I remember when Elvis died and I was a huge fan since I was like, like four, just because my aunt had one of his records. So and then when he died. I remember going down to the playground because it was the summer holidays. And I told like two of the other kids, oh my God, can you believe Elvis died? And then one of them was like, oh, what kind of like relative was that from you? And it was like, no, he was, he's not a relative. Like he's this incredible singer, Elvis Presley. And none of the other kids had any idea what I was talking about. And then obviously like a year later, Remember bringing you were you could bring records to school, and I brought um, the Kate Bush record, and the other kids were just like look at me like, who, what a kind of what a fucking freak is he like listening to that? <laughs> we want to listen to kids' music, and you know, so I never like pretty much I just discovered stuff like either on TV or whatever. I mean, and and my my music discovery came after kiss once i started falling in love with music it was like okay now i'm starting to learn these bands and and it didn't happen right away it probably took five or six more years before i was like well what band did paul stanley grow up listening to what band did gene grow up listening to and let me oh he mentions this in an interview i'm gonna go check that out you know so that that's part of why those 78 solo albums were such uh, an eye-opening jaw-dropping moment to me right i i you know especially peters i had no exposure to that style of music prior to that so you weren't listening to, let me ask you this were you listening to the beatles at that point because like for no, me no i mean the beatles were nothing to me that, that I, I i grew up in, again not having older siblings, which is huge, which yeah, is would have listened to it. And then I would have by default been introduced to it. I, I tell people, you know, and people, some people get really pissed. I'm like, the Beatles mean nothing to me. I have full respect for everything they've created and the influence they have. But when I grew up as a kid, I grew up in that post beat. The Beatles had broken up. And Paul McCartney was happening. So I had more influence from Paul McCartney and Wings than the Beatles ever did. But you did listen to like KDWB and like Casey Kasem and that stuff, didn't you? Um, 
KQ most of the time. Okay. So I, I would hear it, but it had no direct influence to me. None whatsoever. So, Which you know, I, 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 you know, here, here's, I can, I can tell you my, my musical discovery. The first album I ever bought was the love and spoonful Love because that. I knew who, who they were mm-hmm. because the album cover looked fucking cool as shit. It looked huh. like a cartoon cover. Yeah, I had that one too. I yeah. played it all the time. It was I, just, I, I was at a garage sale and it was a quarter. It's like, okay, I'm going to buy this. It looks cool. Then, and it didn't really, I never became a Love and Spoonful fan. It was just, that was my first venture into music. Then I remember a Carpenter's cassette tape. And it's like, oh, okay, I'm not quite getting this either. And then an ABBA album. And, and that was okay, but it really wasn't getting me anywhere there. So I was kind of just grabbing at anything that kind of looked interesting or I was hearing on the radio. And it wasn't until Kiss hit me that I'm like, wow, this is what I get. I get this. This is, this is like, and I, you know, growing up watching professional wrestling as a kid, which is larger than life people on TV especially the crusher. Yeah. I mean, all those wrestlers were made up characters, larger than life. Kiss was larger than life, made up characters. I wasn't even, and this is odd. I wasn't even a comic book fan. I didn't. I, and I still to this day, I'm not really a fan at all of comic books. So before, but okay. So I've got to want to ask this because we've never talked about this. So before the music piece, what did you do? I mean, were you into like building models or model trains? model trains anything else like like uh star wars or uh well that was after but uh you know like planet of the apes or any of that kind of stuff I joe or no i mean it it was i loved watching professional wrestling i loved model trains we did a lot you know it was a lot of fishing and camping and hunting yeah. so and outdoor out, yeah. family activities that sort of stuff i wasn't big in sports bowling but that's because bowling has kind of been in my family's history from decades but i wasn't well, yeah, it's the, the bowling alley in winter yeah so i you know i i remember playing little league baseball for maybe one season or two seasons i never played organized football or any of that sort of stuff so it was when you know kiss was one of those things where it was everything that hit me it was i got rock and roll over because my mom and i've told this story my mom joined the rca record club and she told my sister and i we could each pick one album that we want okay cool i don't know what i'm getting because i don't like anything yet but i remember my friend talking about kiss okay i'll get kiss oh that rock and roll over cover looks cool i'm getting it and when I dropped the needle on that album, it was like mind changing. It blew See, my mind. That's the interesting part. Cause like in the States, the, the stuff you had available, like you cannot even compare that like, like to Europe or Germany. I mean, like at that point in the seventies, we had like a total of like three radio stations. One was playing whatever was current at the time. One was playing classical music, and then there was one that was playing like 
German Uftata music, you know, like the farmers <laughs> and rednecks. Yeah, like rednecks music, you know. And <clears throat> the only reason I discovered Kiss was like, because my, I was switching around on the TV and between whatever. And then at that point, I was like, the only music I knew was Elvis Presley. And I was into Batman comics. So I, I switched the channel and I see that band and I'm like, what the hell, what is that? Is, is it like Batman or what this is, it's kind of like reminded me like, yeah, it's the kind of music that Elvis is doing, but just like everything is so much more powerful. I didn't even know the, the term heavy or whatsoever. And I was just like, oh my God, this is insane. That's like a cross between Batman and Elvis just even more crazier than any of it, you know? And that's what hooked me to the band. It was pretty much like the same as like a few months later was Kate Bush, obviously totally different, but like, you know, you just saw it on TV because like everything else and like also like the wrestling thing. So you're gonna laugh about this. Like there's certain things like wrestling or the TV show Chips. Remember like in the 16 magazine, I didn't get any of those 16 magazines until like 85 or something when I knew the store where you could buy old issues. So I looked at those magazines. I'm like, why the hell would they put like pictures of like cops in a police officers, like in a music magazine? That is so stupid. Like, you know, it took me like until I was like, say like 24 or something. I was in a hotel in Jersey before a KISS convention. Mm -hmm. And in the evening, I'm like, okay, what do they show on American TV besides like chips. meditation? Yeah, exactly. And then I saw chips and I was like, oh my God, those are the guys that yeah, won the best. Those are the guys that were in 16. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, you know, Mark had, had uh, what's his name, Punch? He had those hanging on his wall. Yeah. Sexy men. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. Yep. Leif Garrett. Mark was yeah. into all of that. <laughs> On Cassidy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like those are all things. Like the same goes for TV, like, like the, the, the $6 million man and all that yeah. stuff. Those TV shows, we didn't see those here until some point in the 90s when we started to have all those like cable TV stations. Sure. Then we right. would see chips. I mean, like the only stuff we knew was like the Fall Guy, Knight Rider, but like Knight Rider by the time it came on German TV, it was like in 1987 or something, like already like two years after the show was canceled in the States. <laughs> well, well, it was just because we only had like, like three TV stations here. So and there was obviously just like, how much stuff can you put on? Yeah, TV? I mean, it's, it's, it's always interesting. It's always interesting how each person individually discovers how things oh. come into their life. Again, you know, the common story is, oh, it's my older brother. It was my older sister. And they, they gave me the album or I saw them playing it. It, you know, for me, it was, it was all almost self-discovery. I mean, when, when I, when I finally saw Kiss on the Paul Lynn special, that, that was like, holy fuck, this is who these guys are. <laughs> this is the coolest thing in the world and you know and and at that point it's like all of that music that i've been looking around 
it honed in on one thing. Yeah. And, 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 and that became the target that I followed from that point forward. Now, obviously I started there and then it started expanding out of like, okay, you know, if this is what kiss is like, maybe this band is like this and this band and there's, then there's cheap. Oh, cheap trick is touring with kiss. Well, cheap trick must be a cool band. If they're, if kiss lets them open for them. So I check out cheap trick and, you know, that's how it works when you're left to your own to discover music. Yeah. And it always like, yeah, it really depends where you live and where you grew up. Like, for example, I didn't even know until like the late 80s that like the Kiss movie was only shown on TV in the States. Because like here in Germany, we had this movie theater called Cinema and they would play that movie there until like some point in the 80s, mid 80s. They would always like every like two or three months, the movie would run there and it would run all day long. The first. How cool would that be? That would be awesome. Yeah. And like, I wish we would have had like a camera or something. Cause like, it was insane. It was like really like a concert. First of all, like when they played it, like in during the carnival Hollywood days, people would go there all dressed up. They would always have the double future of like Rocky or picture show and kiss meets the Phantom or kiss and attack how it was called here. And during the live scenes, people would go crazy. Like it was an actual concert. Like it was ballistic. Cause like they changed the order of the songs. Like at the end of the right. movie, you would always have the, I was made after rock and roll night, you would have, I was made for loving you and show no something playing. And people just went ballistic during rock and roll night. And I was made for loving you. It was really like you were in an actual concert. Like everybody was standing and singing and screaming, whatever. And you only had it like on TV. And so. And we only had it on TV once. Cause if you yeah. missed it, it You're wasn't done. coming you back it. on you. You missed it. No, and there was no VCRs to record. There it was no VCRs yeah. to record it. There were no VHS tapes to buy. There was no, no cable rebroadcast. <laughs> you know, I, I want to say, you know, when I saw it in on TV, when it first broadcast, I didn't see it again until VHSs were available for it. And it was like, it was like 80 bucks to buy that VHS when it was first released. Yeah. yeah. It was very expensive. When was it released? I think like in 85 or something. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, yeah. So, you know, part of me envies you going, oh, you know, every couple months you could go to a, mid, a theater showing of it. I know that it was, on the big screen would be cool. That would be awesome. And I was so disappointed with the original version because it didn't have the kiss music in it. It just had that like streets from streets of San yes. Francisco kind of like music. And I was like, what is that? Why? Because it just didn't make sense. Because like it was a rock and roll movie, and especially when you saw those two movies together, Rocky or Picture Show and Kiss and Attack. It was just like it was heaven, you know, like <laughs> And I was always, me and my friend, we would always stay the whole day in that theater and watch those two movies three times in a row. Like you go in at 11 in the morning and you leave the theater like at seven, at like seven, because then they had whatever the evening future was. But like, we would always watch Rocky Horror and Kiss and Attack three times a day. 
How cool is that? That does not suck. No, it was heaven, you know, like especially for a little kid and my grandmother lived like two minutes away from that theater. Because like back then, that's how I found out about the movie. Because I remember like going with my grandmother to the store and we walked by that movie theater and I'm like, oh my God, there's like kiss posters hanging. I didn't even know about the movie. You know, so I was like, oh my God, there's a movie with them? What the hell is that? Oh, I gotta go. That, you know, but, and and we we gotta wrap up because it's already been over two hours. But what (laughs) you, that, that moment you just described seeing the poster is something that will never be experienced again. And I feel for the fans today who will never understand that moment whether it's seeing that poster or, you know, for me, the big one that comes to mind was walking into great American music. And I was looking for kiss killers because somebody told me it was just released and great American music didn't have kiss killers. So I'm just walking around I'm looking at the new release wall and I see this kiss album cover up there that I've never seen before. It was creatures of the night. And I was just like, what the, there's an album I've never heard about just came out. And, you know, it's that, that moment of discovery, whether it's a magazine cover or you're flipping through and 2020 comes on and they're interviewing kiss on it. And it's like, you know, you will never understand the level of excitement that hits you as a fan when you discover something like that by pure accident no not exactly that and kids today they will never have a chance to experience that because like everything is just like a click away on your phone you yeah. see yeah, you know you know you know it's going to come in three months and you know it's going to be rebroadcast every six hours for the next six months after that so it's sort of like you don't even need to worry about watching the initial broadcast because you'll just find the rebroadcast that fits you better. I mean, you know, we, when, when Kiss Meets the Phantom was on, you had to rearrange your life (laughs) to make sure you were home and you had to make damn sure your parents knew you were controlling the TV that night, not dad who was going to watch FBI or some other dragnet or, you know, remember you had to like, look at the TV guide. Yeah. And actually read it in there. You're you're like, so third mom, mom, dad, Thursday night, I'm watching kiss meets the phantom. Okay. You can't watch, you know, Perry Mason, (laughs) whatever, whatever they would be watching. And also like the stuff you had to do to get certain things. I mean, like the craziest thing I ever had to do was like, I knew this um, guy and he knew a girl that had like a massive collection of like old music magazines. I mean, in 83, old music magazines meant like from 79. Yeah. But like she, she was living in a foster home <clears throat> where only girls were living and only girls were allowed to go in. So they told, she told me like, yeah, you have, you have to somehow come to my place. Cause like, I cannot carry all that stuff with me. Cause like some of the magazines were from her older sister. So Alex is thinking, how do I get in here? So I just bought some makeup that put Dressed makeup up on. as a girl. 
And thus began Alex's glam era. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much, because I was like, okay, no, that is easy. I can do this. <laughs> so did you wear a sundress or a, like a pantsuit? Or an ultra top. <laughs> I, I, I was wearing like a... Did, did you a, stuff with socks or Kleenex? Yeah. No, I was just like, I had like a big, like, like a hoodie and was wearing a skirt and sneakers. <laughs> And it was just like everyone I told this after was like, so that was the, that literally was the birth of shameless. He was inspired by chips. Inspired by chips, dressing up as a woman with no shame to go get some oh, God, music magazine. Okay, that's where the song Queen for a Day came in. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that, that Alex was... so discovered the history of, of Shameless here. No, but I, I just always said, okay, the, the, this is easy. And then, you know, you just, and if you have to get it, that's what you have to do. One other time, my grandmother would, after my grandfather died, she would always go on those, um, old people bus trips like to see churches and whatever like in italy austria whatever so i would go with her retreats. they're and, called retreats yeah and yeah. while they were on those trips i would just look for the local record store in the town and i was like 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 14 or something you're like point. just to be safe i'm going to dress up as a girl again to go into this <laughs> record store in case i need to <laughs> no but like one time i was in italy and I discovered that store and they had stacks of music magazines there. So I'm going through the magazines and it's just like the owner of the store that, there. And I'm going through the, oh, I need this, I need that. And like the stack is getting bigger and bigger. And what I didn't realize was like that the guy closed the store. And then he, um, I guess he was, you know, going for the same team or however you want to call it. And it's like, what do you want those magazines for free? I was like, no, I just want to pay in <laughs> <laughs> oh my god like and that stuff like like kid i mean obviously it was like it could have gone dangerous or whatever but like it's just like all those crazy stories that just like always you know you never forget that. what what we went through as fans back in the day <laughs> i mean alex we gotta wrap up yeah but why don't you real quick tell everybody about the new Shameless album, when it's coming out, where they can find it, all the details. Okay. The new record, it's called So Good You Should, and it's coming out on the 20th of May. And afterwards, we do a couple of shows, uh, selected shows in Italy, Germany, and Switzerland. And the record will be out on vinyl, CD, and of course, cassette, like we already did with the live your dream picture disc we released it as a cassette because i just figured out like all the people that have like vintage cars and keep them original like i do with my delorean they have a tape deck in the car so you have to release a tape deck and for whatever reason like people love it and we also did um from the last one we did a picture oh, disc a picture disc hold on and because and the back also, it has like a, a cover of Eastbound and Down with Bruce Kulig on it. And at the end of May, we release another video that's um, a behind the song video about the Eastbound and Down song. Because we are all like massive 
Burt Reynolds fans and Smokey and the Bandit and, and Jared, Jared Reddick, the guy from Bowling for Soup, he did the vocals on the track. Oh, and cool. you'll find all the information simply on alexmichael.com because that's the, I always, what is it called? Like the, the Linkertree page. So it's oh, just, yeah. if you go to Alex Michael, Alex was 2x, michael.com. If you go on the page, it directs you directly. It has links to, to everything. And then you see everything. And the cool thing is, being a KISS fan, I always saw it like, if you put out a vinyl, it has to be special. And we all remember the, the booklet for Alive and Alive 2. So what we did, I found this great artist. And for every song that's <clears throat> on the record, he did a drawing for each of the songs. So like, and the vinyl comes with, a, I think like 12 or like 16 page booklet. Wow. Like, for example, you guys went all out. Because I love detail. Like, that's for the song Get Ready. And the girl that's, that you see here, she is based on the girl from Planet of the Apes, her face. Wow. And cool. that, that obviously that's shouted out. So that, that's no, shouted. And <clears throat> it also has a poster in it and, and like everything. And the, hold on, I show you the one for Love is Blind. Um, that's the image for hold on, where's the light? That's, so that's cool. the image for Love is Blind, and you see a little reflection of Gene actually in the eyeball. Cool, and so that all comes with the vinyl, and like, yeah, and <clears throat> it's released on the 20s. And on the alexmichael.com, you see the link to the store and everything, and also the, the typical like YouTube, Spotify, and everything. Awesome. Awesome. So everybody go check it out on the 20th. Yeah. Um, but you can, uh, we'll, we obviously <coughs> premiered the video in this episode and we'll be sharing it and talking about it for the next few weeks as well. Awesome. Alex, thank you so much. We, we need a homework question. <coughs> well, let's, uh, you know, I think there's a couple. One would be... Um, Something related to the Final Kiss record. Final Kiss record, what you think, yeah, give us your thoughts and what you would do. And then also to anyone that is a fan of Shameless that has heard the music, let us know what you think. And who should be the producer of that record? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Who who should produce it? I mean, and it doesn't have to be Eddie Kramer, Bob Ezra, and Michael James no. Jackson. I mean, uh -huh. to me, I, those those are the three obvious choices that Gene and Paul would go to, but I've always thought, and I don't want this to turn into another discussion, but I think it would be interesting to have Rick Rubin produce a Kiss record. <laughs> yeah. Well, somebody completely different, like uh, let's use Michael Sweet. Cause like if there's one person that understands to stay current, there's nobody else in today that comes from an older period than Michael Sweet from Striper. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would choose. I would choose um, Butch Fig. That's who I would pick. How about you, Lisa? Pretty Boy Floyd. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who I would pick. It's got to be a producer who's got the balls to stand up to Gene and Paul and yeah, tell I them they're wrong. Bob I've always loved Bob Ezrin. Yeah, like, but Bob is too easy. Was like replacing people. That's the problem. Yeah, I see what you mean. 
Yeah. Because he's like, I want to get this result. Okay. Um, if you can't do it, I'll find somebody else that can. Well, but is it, isn't that generally the case for most producers that if it means to get the song, they'll get a different person to play it? Do. They yep. do what they got to do to get the song. It always depends. Like, compare um, Bo Hill and um, Michael Wagner. Michael Wagner will be, okay, let's work on this. Bo Hill will be, Okay, we don't need you today. Let's get somebody else in. Right. Sure. It always depends on the producer. I, I, so. I, my, my, my first choice was always Bob Ezrin, but Michael James Jackson, I think, is, a, is an underdog in the Kiss world. Yeah. Yes. He's the sleeper that most, most Kiss fans forget about. No, absolutely. And, he, and the two albums he touched... Or yep. great albums. So, anyway, yeah, there's there's your homework questions. Um, that's it, everybody. We do have a special guest next week. If it happens, this could be the ultimate Mark Cicchini fanboy episode ever. He's already creaming himself. And preparing for next week. Yeah, I'll be in Boston next week. Traveling you, know, you, could, you could still join us. They have Wi-Fi at the hotel. Yep. Yes, they do. No, this this could be a. I I have a feeling this is Tommy and I. And if you join us, Lisa, we're going to just sit back and not say a single word. Because Mark is going to be so. You remember the time? Do you remember the time you did this? That was so cool. Did, <laughs> did, did, do you remember at this show? And I was I was in the back balcony, jumping up and down, waving at you. Do you remember that? That's going to be all we're going to hear from Mark next week. Needless to say, it'll be a good show. God bless Mark. The, uh, one last thing I forgot to ask: Is any of you guys going on the Kiss Cruise this year? No. Uh, so you're, Are you on standby, Lisa? You don't think you're going to get it? Nope. That's okay. You know what? I, I just think it's shitty that if, you, if you've been on the cruise before, you get first dibs. You know, and someone who's never been on the cruise, you know. Well, let's keep fingers crossed because they said like they will, might do one before that. Or the crew, like if they do like a separate cruise, they, they do a separate. Like they do a se on the damn boat. Yeah. <laughs> Just be me. That that if if that was the case, I'd go on that Kiss cruise if I was the only one there. I don't think I could handle thousands of Kiss fans. Yeah, but this time it's special because they they have Striper playing, which I'm actually like almost more excited about, you know, than seeing the actual the Kiss show. Striper's fantastic. And Buck oh, Cherry's playing fantastic. too, who I, yeah. who I love. No, absolutely. But like, like Striper's just like one of those bands while like most of the other 80s bands don't sound as good as they did like, like 30 years ago. Striper actually sounds better than they did yep. back then. And they never were bad. They were always incredible. Right. That's like yep. the... Yep, yep. Maybe, maybe that's something to do with the religious part because I'm not religious, but I always believe like all the shit they went through was the guitar playing, having, having like that brain tumor. Mm -hmm. Then Michael had the issues with his high and everything. And like, 
no matter what, nothing stops those guys. Yeah, you know? it's amazing. It really is. All right, guys, three sides of the coin. We're out of here. We'll see everybody next week. Okay, bye. So you love the show. Visit threesidesofthecoin.com. Subscribe on YouTube. Follow and rate us on Spotify. Are you Subscribe looking for and leave a review on iTunes. Of the coin merchandise? We appreciate your support. T-shirts, hoodies, and more. Visit shop3sidesofthecoin.com. We ship worldwide. Voices for Three Sides of the Coin. Provided by LarryDavisVoice.com. And by Jess